With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the best of the Ben Maller Show on Fox Sports Radio. We're back at it. Survived the byways and highways to make it here to the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. No flat tire. No flat tire. So I consider the day a success. I didn't have to spend a bunch of money on another tire. But but Houston was, they, they were literally walking the plank here. At the the final stage of this game in the eighth and the ninth inning, and then all of a sudden you get the surprise pivot. The reason a lot of people are going on and on about how this is a classic game and all that is because of that, right? The the fact that it was not headed that direction, the unexpected outcome, even though it before the game it had been expected that the Astros were going to win this game because of Verlander on the mound. It was one of the most bizarre twists in a World Series in a long time. The Dodgers' bullpen, which had been Automatica, much like the kicker that was nicknamed Automatica, he was not Automatica all the time either, but the, the Dodgers blew a 3-1 to lead late. 
The Astros then regurgitated a 5-3 to three lead in the, in the late stages also. And then ultimately, it was George Springer with the two-run home run in the 11th off Brandon McCarthy, who many people were surprised was even still alive. He isn't anymore. Uh, but he gave up that home run to George Springer. And uh, there you go. That turned out to be the difference. Dodgers got to run back. And another home run by Charlie Culberson. But the Astros win 7-6. to six. So the World Series is knotted up. 1-1, headed back to Texas. Let's discuss Game 3 Friday night, deep in the heart of Texas in Houston. So the question, what are the big takeaways here from Game 2 of the World Series? What are the, the things that are going to stand out that you're going to remember? You know, is it Laz Diaz getting hit in the junk? Is that is that something that you're going to remember from the from the World Series there, the second base umpire? Uh, now, my thoughts on this are: uh, you have the awakening, gut wrenching, and then imperative. Those three things stand out. Now, first of all, the Astros' offense had been relatively limp at the start of the Fall Classic. Clayton Kershaw put on a clinic in Game One. You had the Bregman home run. And then in game two, for the beginning part of the game, even though the Astros got on the board an early run, it was still not something where the Astros had done all that much, where if you're an Astro fan, you're like, oh, they're pretty, they're in pretty good shape. And then we had an offensive supernova that took place there in the late portion of the game. Houston's offense had an awakening. It was a coming-out party for the Astros, and all of it, every one of those runs was necessary in order to squeak past the Dodgers and even up the World Series. It was a zany, strange, bizarre playoff game, and one of those things where you needed a little oxygen, a little oxygen at the end there. Now, the second part of this, the emotional roller coaster that took place. The Dodgers only had, I believe, five hits in the game, four of them, were home runs. That would qualify as gut-wrenching. But this was going to be a gut-wrenching loss either way when you got to extra innings. So now you do a whole reevaluation situation, right? Best of five. The Astros have home field advantage. The Dodgers have better pitching at the beginning of the games, better starting pitching. The Astros don't even know who they're going to start in game three, at least if they've announced it. I haven't seen it yet. And so the Dodgers also know that if they only have to win one game in Houston and they've got the final two games at Chavez Ravine. So from my position, still a net positive in the Dodgers' direction because they have those last two games at home. You just have to get to those last two games. Uh, And, again, Houston should have won this game going away. Justin Verlander, in the beginning part of this game, you thought this was going to be – people were talking about no-hitter, that Verlander was going to pitch a no-hitter in this game, that he was that good. He was better than even Kershaw the, the first couple innings of the game. It looked like he was that dominant for the Astros. And on a kind of a run, it was a Joe Flacco-like playoff run, or in baseball parlance, in recent years, Madison Bumgarner, who's probably tipping cows right now on a farm in North Carolina. But Bumgarner, that kind of run for, for Justin Verlander. The way that Justin Verlander started the game was – was reassuring, right? It was reassuring for the Astros, and they still had to hit all these home runs late to win by a run, right? So it was imperative for from their side that they win. It wasn't like a must-win game, as we talked about, because the Astros could have lost this game, and they still would have said, well, as long as we win all our games at home. Now they have a little wiggle room. They don't have to win all of their games at home. They don't. But 
it would have they would have lost anyway. Even with Verlander pitching a masterpiece, they would have lost the game had Kenley Jansen not pooped his pants in the ninth inning. Right? Both teams played. Uh, you know, we, well, hey, we'll we'll say hey. Both teams play with a, the word grit comes to mind here. That happened, and you also had stick to it nifts. Uh, you didn't you didn't give up. They stuck with it. They didn't didn't. Uh, give up at all in this game. If only Rich Hill, you play the if only game, if only Rich Hill had gone more than four innings, then things would have been different. But the could have, should have, would have, and might have are always entertaining conversations, unless they're not. It was a pyrotechnic show. Six of the seven runs the Astros were put on the board there against the Dodgers bullpen. Six of the seven. The Dodgers bullpen had like a 28-inning run of goose eggs and just doing wonderful things. And then it was an all-you-can-eat World Series home run buffet. It was a conga line of home runs for the Astros. You had Springer with the game winner, Bregman, uh, Altuve, Correa, Marwin Gonzalez. You hit a home run. 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 And then the Dodgers had a bunch of home runs, too. Seager and Charlie Colberson. You know you know the ball's flying when Charlie Colberson's hitting a home run in the World Series. Yasiel Puig, who had his glove on a ball in the eighth inning, and if he makes that, again, the, the mighta, coulda, shoulda, woulda game. If he makes that catch, it's a different story. Jock Peterson hitting a home run and floating around the bases, literally floating around the bases after hitting a home run. So the Dodgers hit four home runs, and they had five hits. On a, another warm L.A. night, Dodger Stadium morphing in to the old Homer Dome from back in the day. All they needed was a roof on it. it the ball was uh, flying, flying out of there, getting out of there. All right, let's hear from Dave Roberts here, who's going to explain why Rich Hill came out. I believe 60 pitches for Rich Hill, 60 and done. You'll hear the question and the answer, why Rich Hill was out of there. What was the thing of just taking Rich out after four? Was there a chance he would go longer, or was the situation? Um, there, there was a there was a chance. Um, I, I just felt that right there at the top of their order coming up, and with the way our bullpen's been throwing, and you look back behind that, we had three scoreless innings after that, and so uh, to just trust that the guys behind them, and the bottom line is, you know, I'll take Kenley any day of the week uh, with a one run lead going to the ninth inning, yeah. or a two run lead, which he almost had. Then. <laughs> Not giving up the run in the eighth. All right, so the bottom line is this is an extremely pleasing win for the Astros and an extremely unpleasant loss for the Dodgers. Uh, so it's uplifting for the Astros. But, again, there's no such thing as momentum. It's not like the Astros are going to win game three because they won game two. If that was the case, the Dodgers would have won game two because they won game one and they had Clayton Kershaw. You see how that works? Every individual game, is it stands alone. It stands alone. There is no such thing as momentum. So the Astros feel good, and that's great. They have their confidence back that they can score runs against the Dodger bullpen. But uh, the Dodgers and Astros headed back Friday night. You Darvish, and I'm told in my ear, Lance McCullers Jr. will be on the mound. So that is uh, one of the greats right there. That is, uh, boy, oh, boy, Lance McCullers Jr. He could, what, seven-plus innings for him, uh, maybe one run for the Astros on Friday? I would think that would be the case, yes. Yes, uh, that had been undecided up until uh, a short time ago that the uh, Astros going with Lance McCullers in that game. All right, so Ben Maller's show on Fox, Edmund Dallas Steamboat Willie.
Garcia, congratulations, Eddie. Your Astros get a win. I know you're excited about that. Your boys are back in the series. Um, they're not my, they're not my boys, but that was a very very entertaining game to watch. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it that much. Really? Yeah. Really? Didn't like it. I understand yeah. you don't like the result, but come uh, on, that, that wasn't is the result. That wasn't yeah. exciting. That wasn't thrilling uh, to see yeah. what happened from the ninth inning on. I would have liked it three to one. I would have enjoyed that. Or three to two. I would have taken three to two. Well, I, I as an as a, uh, impartial observer, I thought it oh, was you're far uh, from impartial. It was, it was outstanding. No one believes you're impartial. Okay, well, <laughs> people can friend. believe whatever they want. I, I, uh, I don't. Eddie for the Strohs. That's how it goes. Uh, that's not true. But I, everyone this knows was, this you're, was uh, you're going it, for the Strohs. It was amazing. Just back and oh, forth. You're amazing. like, my God, I, yeah. really? Uh, the Dodgers picked themselves up after blowing it, and then so uh, how how soon is is the Story being written right now in some fledgling blog how this is another black mark for baseball because no one in the Eastern time zone saw this because it happened after midnight, and uh, they're going to bitch about that. You know that's coming. Well, if, yeah. if you uh, would rather go to sleep than watch the baseball yeah. game, that's your, that's your prerogative. Who the hell I, needs sleep? I don't need sleep. I, I, I don't need, you I, think I, I need sleep? I got three hours of sleep again. I usually, again, take, I usually take a nap before I come into work. Yeah? And uh, no, no nap. nap. No nap, No Garcia. nap. Are you going to be more too surly? Good. Are you going to be surly because you didn't take a nap? Are you going to be in a bad uh, mood t- now? No, I'm in a good mood. Gonna, what are you talking about? Yeah, because you, your Astros won. You're in a good mood. I, you're happy the Astros won the game. It has nothing to do with the Astros winning. I did enjoy the game a lot. Yeah. It was very entertaining to me. Yeah. As a non-partial observer, very entertaining. Here's the thing, Eddie. When I'm watching a game, I can't get much joy out of it if the outcome goes the way I don't like. No, I, 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 I understand that. If I'm, I, now, I, if I'm like you, you know, maybe but I could, not, but I'm not, not like in the you, moment. Not. You weren't like, my God, this yeah. is this is. A, I'm glad I'm here. This is a wild game. This is an eventful game. Nah, I didn't feel that. <laughs> you, you're joyless. Not joyless. You at are. All. I, if the Dodgers had won three to one or three to two, I would have had a great joy. Or if they had won, well, you know, eight to seven or whatever, that would have been. This was a, a a fine game again, a high scoring game. Fine game. Just fine. It wasn't the Just greatest. Fine. Of, it wasn't the greatest of all time. Let's not get crazy here. The the final few when innings of that G- game were, G- were unbelievable. When you have Josh Fields and Brandon McCarthy pitching in extra innings. That is not a good situation. Well, who's going to have their aces pitching in extra innings? I mean, that's that's usually the that's way it the works. Bottom of the barrel. That is the bottom of the. I barrel. I thought the Dodger bullpen was from top to bottom was uh, yeah unhittable. It is because those guys don't pitch. That's why it's unhittable. Because those guys they hide them in the bullpen. They're like in the witness protection program. You didn't even, I even, how many people knew McCarthy was even on the playoff roster and was going to be in the, on the, in the World Series? I mean, come on. In the World Series? The guy's uh, been out for how many months with injury and whatnot? Anyway. All right, so we'll talk about it here. And I know the, uh, the Astros, I'm told here, the Astro fans are very excited like you, Eddie. They're excited about this. And so uh, we'll see how it goes. Best of five now. World Series, and uh, nothing can be easy in my life. I cannot have anything easy. Uh, it's just the way it is, Eddie. I have to have uh, stress, and I it has to be well, a pain in the ass. Welcome to the world of a real sports fan. That's, no, that's what it's all about. I've been a, been a uh, stressful sports fan my entire life. Yes, sir. All right, anyway, we'll take your phone calls. If you would like to be part, the number is 877-99 on Fox. 877-99. Nine nine six six three six nine. We're also on Twitter at Ben Maller. Are people still complaining about that YouTube advertising behind home plate, where it looks like when you're watching on television, it looks like you're watching a YouTube video, which is it just hasn't started playing yet. Did you notice that? You noticed that. Right? Everyone noticed that. Yeah, yeah, I got over it pretty quickly. Oh, thanks. 
<laughs> you want to know people are complaining about it. I'm t- I you know, I, I uh, noticed it well, and now it's like, all right, all right, move on. You're much, it's not going to change, is it? You're a much better person. Clearly, they, yes. All right, um, we're on yeah, Facebook as well. Ben Maller Show. That's Ben Maller Show on Facebook is the World Series, the the big headliner here, the big headliner. Unless you want to talk about, like, the second or third week of the NBA regular season. Does that excite you? Do you want to break down a second-week NBA game? Well, I know that... Danny would like to talk about a certain game. Yeah, that's right. The uh, Ricky Rubio played well for the Lakers, the, uh, the great shooter, the uh, number two pick who can't make a shot. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weeknights at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. So much going on. So much going on. Houston unloaded on the Dodger bullpen, the invincible, unstoppable Dodger bullpen. No more. George Springer, distant relative of the other Springer, uh, getting it done. He caps off a power barrage for the Astros there as they even up the World Series. His home run, a two-run homer in the top of the 11th, Ends up being the the difference. The Dodgers got a run back with Charlie Culberson, but the Astros win seven to six in Game Two. A back and forth, home runs are flying in the air everywhere. And George Springer had uh, not only been a baseball player, he had been sucking. He'd been garbage uh, in the postseason of late, but not anymore. Not in this particular game, and not when it mattered. Late in the game. But as always, as we'll talk about this, the better story in the losing locker room. The better story is in the losing locker room. So let's play one of my favorite pastimes. We've done it for many World Series. We'll do it for this one also. The blame game. The blame game. Now, many Dodger fans are upset with Dave Roberts, the Dodger manager, for micromanaging, for overmanaging, for overplaying his hand. And it involves the bullpen, but it also involves pulling Rich Hill, the starting pitcher, after four innings. That's it, after four innings. So, in order to play the blame game, we must have a question. And here's the question. Who gets more of the blame here from the Dodgers' side? They lose game two. Are you going to blame more Dave Roberts, or are you going to blame Kenley Jansen, the closer? Now, I'm going to go first, and my answer is Kenley Jansen. I'm going to blame Kenley Jansen. My thoughts on this, gut call, high wire act, do your job, and accountability. Right, Those things all are in play with Game 2 of the World Series. We're getting with the fact that Rich Hill was shaky from the start of the game, and it appeared that he was suffering the effects of something we call in these parts tight took his syndrome. In fact, I was convinced after the first batter of the game that this was not going to be Rich Hill's uh, day. I believe I texted Danny G. I, I texted a couple of people. I said, this is not going well. This is not a good situation. He was overthrowing the baseball, the first batter. It just seemed like he it was a little tight tuchus syndrome there for, for Rich Hill. Now, surprisingly, he was relatively effective when you consider the amount of runs he gave up, but that only tells part of the story. So Dave Roberts did something that is against the playbook of the New Age baseball where you're supposed to go buy the book and you're supposed to you know do the do the uh, the new advanced statistical data and all that Dave Roberts played I feel like he played a gut call here because he took Rich Hill out after throwing 60 pitches that's it 60 pitches and you are out of here and then it, see here's the Hill had been doing a high wire act the reason I'm not going to blame Dave Roberts for this is 
you know, whether he did a, a, a gut reaction or not, Rich Hill had given up three hits and three walks in four innings. That's six base runners in four innings. I don't know what planet one has to live on where they say that is an effective start. And, yeah, it was only 60 pitches, but it's like you dodge something. If Literally, the Dodgers, they dodged being down by a zillion runs, and then they eventually came back and they actually had a lead late in the game, as if you watch the game, you know. But it was a smoke-and-mirrors-type start for Rich Hill. He was doing a high-wire act, and he was able to survive only giving up the one run, but it's not like he was he – was, just this close to being perfect. He wasn't. He was He was this close to being knocked out of the game much earlier than that. Much, much earlier than that. All right, let's hear uh, from uh, Dave Roberts here as uh, we, we go forward. And uh, Dave Roberts referencing Kenley Jansen. That's the, the other part of this story is Kenley Jansen, right? The, the reason that I'm not going to blame Dave Roberts and I'm going to blame Kenley Jansen is because he was the guy on the mound, right? This is easy. This is not that hard. This is the easiest blame game we've ever had. The guy on the mound is the guy that gets the blame. Dave Roberts made the decision. I would have made the same decision. All right, anyway, here's uh, Roberts explaining with Kenley Jansen and how he had been really, really good for a while. He's been virtually unhittable, and uh, Gonzalez put a good swing on an 0-2 pitch, and it was center cut. You tip your hat to him, and again, where Kenley's workload, um, where he was at, um, that part of the order, it's it's a great spot for him, and it just doesn't always go as planned, but... Yeah, but what? There's a but there. You see but, and then we didn't get to hear the end of that. That's, I hate when he gets cut off on the but, because the but, but, hey, that probably works out better, because on this show, when... The butt's kind of like one more thing. When callers call up and they say one more thing, usually bad. Right? One more thing, never good. Dave Roberts' butt, probably a bad thing. Right? When he threw the butt in there, that's not a good thing. But, again, this is a no-brainer. You've got to do your job. Do your job. Jansen, as Dave Roberts mentioned there, has been automatic. In this particular game, he defecated all over the mound at Dodger Stadium. Marwin Gonzalez, we mentioned this last hour, but you put that in Dodger history of painful home runs, that's got to be up there with Matt Stairs. I know Matt Stairs was in the NLCS, and Jack Clark was also in the NLCS. Does that mean that the Marwin Gonzalez home run has to skyrocket to the top of the list because it happened in the World Series game? I'm sure I'm forgetting some other home runs in World Series past that were given up by Dodger pitchers, but that's that's pretty high up there. And that has to be the greatest home run in Astro history. Does it not? I mean, how, how could you have, I know people bring up Carlos Beltran went on a redonkulous run back in the day, but doesn't that have to be the number one moment for postseason? He goes, oh, what about Springer? Springer's home one won the game. Okay. But I, I would go again. Marwin Gonzalez, that home run, allowed the other home runs to happen. As we've documented here, it was a conga line of dingers that followed for both sides, not just the Astros, but the Dodgers. So I, I got to hear from Kenley Jansen here. I need some accountability. That's what I need. I need accountability. I need uh, to fall on the sword. I'm the bad guy. I, I need to hear that. Not that it's going to change the outcome, but I need to hear that. Let's hear uh, Kenley Jansen here. You'll hear the question and then the response. Can you talk about facing Marlon Gonzalez and what happened and, and that comment you made in your native language? It's just flat, man. It's just I'm human. Uh, you can't do nothing about that. Um, you just got to get rest today, tonight, you know, 
looking forward for tomorrow. Um, the two best pitchers is, is not pitching the next two, so we just got to go out there and take advantage of that. Now that's offensive to me. That last part's offensive. Listen, uh, what do you, that's bulletin board material. Does he not realize, Kenley Jansen, the powers of Lance McCullers and Charlie Morton, the game three and four starters? Uh, you're only as good as your next starting pitcher, and the Astros are in great shape. I would be shocked if the Dodgers win one of the next two games. I think this is going to be a three to one Astros lead going in to Game Five. I don't. Even, uh, the Dodgers might as well, might as well not even show up. They might as well just take the next couple of games off Friday and Saturday. You probably have a Halloween party to go to anyway. It's the you know the weekend before Halloween. Go out, enjoy yourself, have a good time. No chance. No chance. Well, Kenley did appear to own. That performance, uh, the the other play here, if you're going to do the full blame game, and I, I singled it out. I, I, I could have – there's other guys that could get the blame, but I said Dave Roberts or Kenley Jansen. You could also throw Yasiel Puig in there. You could throw the second base umpire in there. Uh, Laz Diaz, I mean, go on and on here. But it, the, the Jansen play back in the eighth inning when he gave up a ribby single to Carlos Correa in the eighth that made it a 3-2 to two game, and then that allowed the Gonzalez home run to tie the game in the ninth inning, and Yasiel Puig! What's the rule if you get your glove on the ball, you got to catch it? Is that the rule? Who made that rule, by the way? I'd like to know the name of the person that made the rule. If you get your glove on the ball, you're supposed to catch the ball. He got his glove on the ball, Yasiel Puig, he didn't. I liked his reaction. He had a hissy fit immediately, and he slammed his arm down. He was all upset. I, I liked it. I thought that was wonderful. How did Joe Buck handle that? I was at the game. I did not get to see. Did Joe Buck Did Joe Buck go nuts? My favorite Joe Buck meltdown was with Randy Moss back in the day at Lambeau Field when Randy Moss with the Vikings did the fake moon over Lambeau, and Joe just lost his marbles. That was my favorite Joe Buck moment. Boy, was that wonderful. Just great. All right, so the, the parting shot on all this. This is a wonderful confidence booster for the Astros. But there is no such thing as momentum. And the, the Astros have a little more wiggle room now, a little more wiggle room. they got to win at least two of the next three. If you're the Astros, you got to win two of the next three. The Dodgers only have to win one of the next three. Now, you'd like to win – both teams would like to win the next three, right? But in reality – you, the Dodgers have to win one, and then they've got the last two games at home. The Astros have to think, well, we, we got to win at least two. That way we only have to win one more game at Dodger Stadium. Be very uh, fortuitous of the Astros to do that because if, you, if you're going in to L.A. expecting to get 7,000 home runs against the Dodger bullpen, uh, good luck. Now, my advice today, Roberts, going forward is to uh, make sure Josh Fields and Brandon McCarthy – are as far away from the mound as possible. That would be my advice. And if I see either one of those guys pitch in the World Series, I'll be watching something else. I will turn the channel. I will uh, watch something else. Then. All right, so Ben Maller Show on Fox. On Fox, we'll take your phone calls if you would like to be part. The number, and this is the great thing. I'm going to give out the number here in a second. The great thing about this is last night the Dodgers won. And it was a Dodger, we were doing post-game Dodger talk extended on our show. But the Astros won, and so far the first hour, no, no, part of the hour we were covered up on our big affiliate AM570 in Los Angeles by their Dodger programming. But it was like Astro talk. So I'm assuming that's just going to continue. It's just going to be nothing but Astro fans 
They call up. Uh, the Dodger fans are in hiding now. Uh, 877-99 on Fox. 877-996-6369. We're also on Twitter at Ben Maller. That's at Ben Maller. And our Facebook page, Ben Maller Show. The Astros and Dodgers combining a World Series record. Eight home runs. Isn't that bizarre, Eddie? Uh, we'll bring in Edmund Dallas, Steamboat Willie Garcia. That is a disgusting act by Randy Moss. <laughs> Can we put Kenley Jansen in there instead of Randy Moss? That was a disgusting act the way you pitched. Uh, to Marwin Gonzalez, I, I was uh, I was always annoyed with the uh, the how much can you give us Big Mac? That was one of the ones that always that bothered that was a Joe Buck one. That you yeah. just roll your eyes at. Was, uh, troubled by that, yeah. Uh, here's the deal. Listen, the, the the World Series here. This this whole the home run thing. Like I've been to Fenway Park. I feel like I could hit a home run at Fenway Park. They've been they've been a bunch of World Series games played there. The old Homer Dome in Minnesota, the Metrodome, seemed like the ball flew out of there. Some of these other places where they've had the World Series. Dodger Stadium is one of the great venues for pitching of all time. I realize the heat index was. Yeah, I was going to say, is I, it, I get that, that had but, to be a factor, right? The balls were flying out of the still, yard. still, don't you think somewhere along the way at the old Yankee Stadium where it was ridiculous down the line, or fit, like I said, Fenway Park, or uh, all these other stadiums where they've played the World Series over the years, that Dodger Stadium now has the record. How much of it is the heat? How much of it is the juiced-up baseballs? And how much mm. of it is Peyton Manning and Charlie uh, Charlie Sly? Uh, the first two I put a lot of uh, really a lot of in. You've uh, investigated in. that. Yeah, the, sure that last one is uh, well, the people, pretty pretty silly. The but. people like that last one. I'm sure they did. Yeah, it was very entertaining. Really a lot but, of a uh, lot of feedback from the Maller militia. A lot I, of feedback. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. But uh, yes, clearly the weather was a factor. The heat was a factor, and uh, and the juiced-up baseballs. We had more home runs hit. In Major League Baseball this season than any other season, so clearly that would be a factor as well. Yeah. Well, if I if I had been pitching, no home. If you had been pitching, well, I would have thrown my sinker ball. And well, that's the been... only pitch you have is that that Ephus pitch. Again, my pitch was better than your pitch. We we threw there, out the first pitch. There's video evidence of this. That's it. Again, a complete I, lie. I, I challenge anyone to go find the video. Uh, my pitch I'll, was I, better. I, I'll post it on. Uh, I don't on care. Twitter. I'll post it on my Twitter too. My pitch please, was better than do. your pitch. It was a lollipop. Your pitch was weak. You've <laughs> gotten. Was, I was the only one that threw a strike. No, you did not throw a strike. My pitch was. You don't even know the strike zone. Okay, my, uh, my I pitch, hit the glove. My pitch was right in the zone where you want to be. It was unhittable, my pitch. So good it was unhittable. But it, <laughs> Go watch the video I and judge again, yourself. Watch the video. I'm fine Listeners, with that. Yeah. Listeners. Yeah. Listeners. You know, people don't listen with other – no one listens to the radio with other people. They listen by themselves, Eddie. You know, how long have you been in radio? Uh, a, a long time. How many people – this is a singular thing. No, it isn't. That's it is, stupid. Yes, it is. Well, Danny we, we, G, you've been in radio how many years? Uh, too long. Would you Would you say, <laughs> Danny, I would go 97% of those listening are by themselves. They're working security. They're in bed. But they can't sleep. But we're all together right. listening well, to the I show. Would, but you don't say listeners. I would attend. You don't say I do. audience. I would tend to you agree with Maller you, You say Maller Militia, don't I'm you? talking to one but, person. But, no, you're not. Yes, I am. There's only one person listening. It's the smoke runner Stupid. in Pasadena. That's it. The smoke runner is the only one listening. We have some people at their jobs, though, who have it on. Yeah. And so there's multiple people at their job around, listening. They're not sitting around the radio looking at the radio, listening together. They're doing stuff. They're making, you know, they're machinists or whatever. They're doing, working in a factory. 
Anyway. Yeah, but my, my first program director used to scream at us, and he's like, power words, you, you're, <laughs> yeah, don't you dare say you guys. That's because every program God. director in radio goes to the same conferences, exactly. yeah. and Stupid. they all get told the same stuff, <laughs> and they just regurgitate the same stuff when they have their meetings with their staff, right? Wouldn't that be a good program director? I should, that, should, that should be my next no. chapter in my career. Program director Maller. Boy, would that be great radio. Man, I would, as the boss... The big shot. Man, I would be good at that. You'd finally get people kissing your ass. That would finally happen. <laughs> I would only hire people to kiss my ass. That's how I would I'm, do it. I have no doubt you're telling I would, the truth uh, you right would all, You guys would all be gone. I'd hire, I, I, I would, would absolutely I, not work I for would you. hire the Danettes. <laughs> I would never bring them in. The Danettes would work for me. It'd be great. It'd be absolutely wonderful. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weeknights at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. It's Maller. How about that? To the third degree. This is when Big Ben gets grilled. And we bring in the master of ceremonies, the Coop Loop. Here we go. Imagine spending a thousand bucks, though, at a World Series game and then getting kicked out. Huh. This is the guy's. What's he get? A night in jail? What do, what do you get for that? Trespassing? Something like that? I don't know. All right. What do you got, Coop? Ben, there was a bit of drama at the end of the Nuggets-Wizards game the other day as Nuggets star Nikola Jokic seemed to shoulder-check Wiz coach Scott Brooks as he walked past. Now, Jokic claims that he didn't see Brooks walking in front of him, and the Nuggets coach Michael Malone thinks that Brooks flopped. Ben, do you think that the bump was intentional? Yeah, I've seen this, and, and here's the deal. Scott Brooks, in this case, total opportunist. Right, total opportunist, Scott Brooks. Now, this was not planned out and choreographed before the game, but he happened to be in the right place at the right time. After pulling out the Maller microscope and analyzing this Zabruder film style, the play between the Wizards coach and the Nuggets, uh, the big man, here's what I saw. Right, Since Scott Brooks, I feel like he's more savvy here. Uh, he determined that the Wizards coach, that, uh, that Jokic – in this case, they bumped into each other. They both bumped into each other, but Brooks is the smaller guy. He's more savvy. He played the role of opportunist, he, and he ended up getting a free point late in a game, a random NBA game between the Nuggets and the Wizards. And number two, this type of premeditated flop, uh, which Brooks, I, I guess it goes back to his playing days when he was a journeyman with the Rockets and the Sixers and all those teams. It, it always reminds me of like the Harlem Globetrotters or soccer, right? But in this case, since it's basketball, you can play Sweet Georgia Brown in the background. Play that in a loop. Uh, And this happens a lot in in the different NBA games. But, yeah, if you ask me, was that just an unintentional or was that an intentional? It was an unintentional bump, but Scott Brooks took advantage of Jokic and he ended up getting a free point. So I give give Brooks credit. That's gamesmanship. That's good. The, The referees... If they fall for it, that's on them. All right, next. Jerry Reese has been the Giants' GM since 2007. He's overseen two Super Bowl wins. However, the Giants are 1-6 and six on the year, and they're just not a really good team. When asked about the Giants' record, Reese took full responsibility, and when asked about his future with the team, said that's up to the owners, but he doesn't plan on quitting. Do you think Reese deserves the blame, Ben? Yeah, well, there's plenty of blame to go around. I- I'm going to give Reese, the Giants' front office, 60 60- Four percent of the blame. I'll go sixty-four percent. The rest of it I will give to the coaching staff led by Ben McAdoo. That's what I'm gonna do. A couple of things here. 
A, this was the same giant team that won 11 games last season. That is part of the problem. Jerry Reese did not improve the roster enough. He made some small changes, but it wasn't um, enough to really take that next crank up the uh, the pecking order of the NFL, and instead the Giants have obviously regressed. Eli Manning has looked very old, very, very old. Uh, the offensive line hasn't been great. Eli Manning hasn't been great. There's no line of secession at quarterback. There's no passing of the baton there. And then on the other hand, you've got Ben McAdoo, who has dropped the ball also. The Giant players seemed uninterested to start the year. There was a lack of motivation. Now, I believe the players should be motivated themselves, but part of a coaching, uh, part of a coach's job, rather, is to do some motivational techniques. Whatever Ben McAdoo was doing to start the year against the Cowboys and also the Lions did not work, and it set the Giants on this course where they've been unable to bury themselves uh, out of, or dig themselves out of the hole that they've pretty much been buried by this start. It's over for them, and now the injuries have started piling up. But, but yeah, I'm going to give most of the blame to the front office, and that means Jerry Reese, and then the rest of it I give to Ben McAdoo. Next, and, and those guys both could be out, by the way. I mean, you look at the Giants. They're, they're a pretty conservative franchise. You could see a house-cleaning situation. Next. Now, Ben, anybody who's watched the World Series so far has seen that Yasiel Puig has dyed his hair blue, has a nice blue mohawk. Yeah, that's solid. And I was the biggest Dodgers fan on the network and former host about. of Dodger Talk. I'm neutral. I don't think you're showing enough team pride, Ben. Really? Yes. If the, if the Dodgers yeah. win the series, will you dye your hair or, or what's left of it yeah. blue? Uh, absolutely not, Coop. I, I am a respected member of the sports radio fraternity. Wrong. That's a total fanboy move, not some kind of Dodger bootlicker. What have I done? I've been getting called out here by Dodger fans upset that are furious with me that I have taken this uh, position of blaming Ken Lee Jansen for blowing a World Series game. This guy, Michael, have you ever played baseball? Blame game, really? You just talked about wanting to see more home runs, and now you blame. So I'm uh, the Dodger house man. No, I am not. I have provided detailed, balanced, fair analysis of the Dodgers all year. And all teams. (laughs) I am a neutral party. That is what I am here. No strong opinions. No one wants to hear strong opinions on radio. No one wants to hear the person on the radio have strong opinions. They want to hear it down the middle. You do not want to pick sides. No, 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 no. Absolutely. I've always been a critical eye for the sports guy. That is what I do here. That is my role. And secondly, as a grown-ass man, Coop, there's no way I'm going to dye the little hair that I have left on the top of my head. Now, if you, I will say this, though, Coop. I believe the teachings of that book, The Magic Christian, which is not a religious book, there is a price. And if there should be a GoFundMe page with donations care of the Ben Maller show to Ben Maller, I would be willing to uh, go down that road. We can revisit this. There it is. Maller to the third degree. How did we do? Ben, you were doing well up until that last question. You failed this edition. That is a win for me. You get nothing. Hold on you a second. You lose. Let Good me, day, sir. Let me check in with my other judge here. Uh, judge Dave in Houston questioning Dave. Did I win that edition of Mallers to the third degree? Or Maller to the third degree. 
That's a yes. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. And I got to tell you, the Lakers were right to draft Lonzo Ball because he is shooting 31%. That is solid. Oh, I got to uh, find something that is, to. Yeah. Yeah, that is yeah, solid. No, you're not going to talk about the huge win. Not going to talk about LeVar Ball speaking things into existence. Uh, someone's been triggered. All right, yes, go LeVar ahead. LeVar Ballstradamus called it again. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Lonzo won't lose twice in a week, and it I, happens. I, I agree. LeVar Levar is but the let's, guy. Let's point, uh, let's point to his shooting. Never mind the fact that he's averaging double digits. <laughs> assists and and he just he just makes things things happen for this I team. Know. Is is Lavar the team dad for the Lakers? How does that work? He should does, he, be. does he pass out the orange slices now, ben, at halftime? The, the times that uh, Ball did guard John Wall, uh-huh. Wall was two for seven, and uh, and Lonzo stripped the ball twice from him. All right. Okay. Listen, there's so some is, good this defense from him. Greatest moment in the career of Lonzo Ball, right here. This is it. Greatest single performance in the storied career of Lonzo Ball, and that would include a game where he shot 2 of 11, but that's the greatest performance of his career. There you go. Shooting percentage does not matter. Does not matter when you're a toady. There's been four games of his yeah. NBA career. And he's shooting 31%. I agree. This is, that's nothing. Four games. I think he'll shoot 60% this year. Yeah, that's what I you're think. You're leaving out the rest of his stat line, of course. Again, oh, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't, su- it doesn't support Ben's not, argument. So we're not going to talk my, about my, that, Danny. My, my my argument was about his shooting. I'm not talking of about course, that your else. argument is your about argument. his shooting because that's yeah. the only thing that and, you can and, point to course, now. And you guys, that's negative about that's the only, Lonzo Ball. That's the only thing negative. That's it. Ben, that's the did, only thing. Did they yeah, win that's the only thing you can point to. What else can you point to? They are the greatest two and two team in the history. What else can you point to, Ben? What's the what? are the other negatives? I agree. There are no negatives. Everything's well when you. When you giggle and say sarcastically, <laughs> I agree, that just means that you have nothing else to point I, to. I think the 50, what's he shooting, 55% for the oh, foul Oh, you're going to talk about his shooting percentage again. Where's the that's, other negatives, Ben? You that, said that's not, you, listen, you, sarcastically, I, that's his only negative, when right? I, when I used to uh, be somewhat on a, on a good relationship with this old coach named Bill Fish, this old NBA coach, he always told me shooting does not matter. You do not, in the game of basketball, that is the last thing you look at is shooting percentage. And you're right, Coop. That, uh, I, I am going to stand down. You are correct. Shooting percentage is irrelevant. You are. I, I, I hope you realize that the entire Maller militia like knows this tactic of yours. When you have nowhere to go and you're backed I, into I a corner, go. you go with it. your condescending sarcasm. Oh, no, you're, you're right, Coop. Condescending you're all. right. You know, shooting a, does not I, matter. You want me to fight? How can I fight you? You're correct. I, is, you're we, right. I am correct. We should be celebrating. There are no other negatives. There's a guy shooting 31%. I think we should, we should celebrate that guy. I think that's really good basketball. That's Ricky Rubio. If Ricky Rubio's yeah, dad, Ricky Rubio can't play defense like that. If Ricky Rubio's father was a little bit like LeVar Ball, then we'd have the same thing. All right, anyway, we had the uh, the all uh, vertically challenged basketball team, and some listeners have helped us out to fatten up our bench. We've got two submissions here. I've got Mitch Album, prominent member of the Detroit media, but he's done national stuff. Yeah, he's written some good books too. Bunch of books. I don't know if they're good. Wasn't it? Was it Tuesdays uh, yeah. with, uh, with with Maury? Maury. That yeah. was. Is that the one he's most famous for? I think so. Yes, he, I would say so. Yeah, yeah I've read two of his books. They were pretty good. Is he still a writer for the Detroit Free Press? He was for years. I, I don't know, but anyway, so he's real short too. So we we could put him on the team. He could be one of my guys off the bench. And how about Mike Lupica from Ron? It's a good one. Lupica. It's a pretty good team. Who do they play though? That's the question. Who would these guys go against? No idea. 
All right, uh, let's go to Mike. He's got more to add to this developing story. Mike in uh, Southern California, just down the road from us. Hello, Mike. Hello, Ben. Well, you know, you are just completely on fire and right on regarding uh, the uh, LeVar Ball Jr. Uh, Lonzo, as he's uh, commonly referred to, uh, as in a target on his back uh, type of guy. Uh, but he, you know, he has two assists. And two shots, uh, two shots made, or two steals. So that means a broken ball is even uh, going in twice a game. Yeah. So uh, not, he had like what? 13 assists. Don't, yeah. don't be negative. These two guys assists. don't want to hear what? any negativity. They do not want to hear any negativity about Lonzo. Do not. So let's talk about our all short team. Uh, I don't like that the, word the short. Biggest, vertically challenged. I like that better. Vertically challenged. Yes. So the, the shortest big. Schmuck, we can say schmuck. Yes, I love Jim, the word schmuck. Jim, I use, there yeah. was a movie called the uh, that with, with that title, Jim Gray. I can't think of a bigger little schmuck than Jim Gray hijacking <laughs> Pete Rose. What's what? No, no. What's the word diminutive? Oh, we should use that word. Diminutive. They all diminutive team. Yeah, Jim Gray's there. Uh, the how tall? How tall is Jim Gray? I see. I guess I'm bad at judging height. Jim Gray seems like he's average height to me. But, uh, oh, I, I think that uh, uh, anybody in your studio could definitely eat peanuts off his head. Really? For sure. Okay. Uh, not Coop, though. I don't, you don't, you oh, don't Coop, realize Coop, the Coop loop there. Coop is a mountain of a man compared to oh, Jim Gray. Really? Oh, yes. All right. Jim uh, Gray. All yes. right. Well, thank you for the Jim Gray submission here. We'll, uh, we'll see. I don't know. How, I have no idea how old Jim Gray is, and I don't feel like looking for it. Uh, thank you, Mike. Uh, there's Mike. All right. Let's get to it. Here we go. We got questions. We got answers. The whole thing here. It's now time for... Time for... Well, hurry, hurry, I can hardly wait. Ask Ben. Twitter! Send us your questions on Twitter now. Oh, uh, you... Coop, you've triggered a Jake on Twitter. He says, I don't even know who said this, but Ricky Rubio can't play defense like that. Rubio is one of the best defensive point guards in the league. That's from Jake. Yeah, along with Lonzo Ball. Wow. Really? I mean, come on. All right, let's, uh, let's get... Coop, you're ridiculous. Uh, let's get to it. Here we go. It's Ask Ben. Your questions are answers. And I'll pass the mic over to the Lonzo Ball jersey-wearing, LeVar Ball fathead-owning Coop DeLoop. Man, my dream is to to sit at a Laker game with LeVar Ball. That would be awesome. Oh, boy, that would be amazing. That would be great. All right, That's start- my nightmare, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I like LeVar Ball. He's great for business. I'm a big, big supporter. I hope he continues. We're going to start off with a question for you, Ben. This is from El Nino. El Nino. Yes. Is El Nino coming back next year? I'm a big fan of El Nino. I, I like so. that rain. Yes. Ben, it's almost cold and flu season. My throat is sore. Can you go over the patented Ben Maller cure? Yes. Uh, absolutely, El Nino. Here's what I do. I've been doing this for the last several years, and it works every time. Uh, when you start feeling the effects of the, of the oncoming illness, the flu, the cold, what you do is you get a, a head of garlic. All right, raw garlic. You take a knife out, preferably like a a somewhat sharp knife, but you can use a butter knife. It'll work. It's a piece of garlic. You peel back the garlic. You get the head of garlic right there. You chop in the middle. You you Imagine a line down the middle of the piece of garlic there, the clove of garlic. You then chop down the middle. All right? Then you've got two pieces of garlic. You'll see some of the garlic juices in the middle of the piece. You then put... Uh, side, each side of your mouth, you put a little bit of the garlic in the uh, the gum area of your mouth, 
and then you suck on it like a candy for like uh, approximately well, I, I, as many minutes as you can. Many people can only do it for a few seconds. But here's the key here. All right? You do that, and the juices from the raw garlic, you want them to go into your the, the uh, back of the key area of your throat there. Because what that does, all right, that allows the, the garlic, the power of that raw garlic, to attack the in, uh, oncoming illness in your throat. All right? Maybe he can suck on it, and that'll make it better. Yeah, the raw garlic technique. I'm an Iron Man. I very rarely have any kind of an illness here because of the raw garlic. Next. All right, Ben, another question for you. This is from Ernie on and, Twitter. And, and, and one follow-up, Coop. Just, you're supposed to really do that before you go to sleep. So, And don't drink any water after that. So you want the garlic to attack the infection. All right, go ahead, Coop. All right, uh, this is from Ernie on Twitter. And if you take medical advice from an overnight sports radio guy, you're an idiot. Go ahead. Ben, which of the two brushes with celebrities do you cherish the most? Justin Bieber's hoodie or Rob Manfred's suit? Well, that's a good one. Well, Bieber's bigger than Rob Manfred. But, yeah, my, my shoulder touched the suit of Rob Manfred when I was going into that Hank Aaron award ceremony that they had at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, so uh, how much do you – I was talking to, uh, to some of the guys. I think I uh, talked to – I don't forget who about this. Uh, but how much does Rob Manfred make? Is he in the $20 million-plus club? He's got to be, right? The commissioner of baseball, multi-billion-dollar business. But Bieber's worth more. So I, I'm going to go Bieber 1, Rob Manford 2, and 3 on that list. That's the, See, the third one's tough. I'm going to put David Hasselhoff third on the list because me and the Hoff hung out at a pet store at the Beverly Center in Los Angeles uh, years ago. So I'm gonna go. I'll put Hoff third on the list. All right, next. All right, this is for the entire crew. This is from Brian on Facebook. If you could be either a police officer, firefighter, or a paramedic, who would you choose to be? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess what, what's the story? Like, there's the the amount of fires that have uh, happened today compared to the old days. It's it's gone down like eight hundred thousand percent of this compared to like the 1970s. There's hardly any fires compared to the 1970s. Uh so I think a lot of what you do as a firefighter is go to, like, car accidents and stuff. That would be depressing. Uh, police, I think that would be a fun job. I think that would be a cool job. It's dangerous. They're all dangerous stuff. I guess I would go police one, fire two, and then paramedic, blood and guts, I'd put that third. Eddie? Yeah, I'm going to go firefighter, number one. You know, you just get the hose out and uh, spread yeah. a little water here and there. Doesn't it seem Don't like- have to deal with any uh, riffraff of it like the police officers oh, you do. you do sometimes. No, nah, not really. And then the paramedics, really- you know, you gotta, you know, you got to be the first line of uh, of help in saving someone's life. And I, I don't I don't deal well with that pressure. Th- doesn't it seem, Eddie, though, like the firefighters spend a lot of time on what they're going to make for dinner that night? Yes, and there's I like that of, as well. There's, a lot, they of, go, I there's a lot of food preparation. They're at the, the grocery firefighter. store all the time. I do, too. Yeah. I see them all the time yep. there. They're like... Really going for it at the grocery store. Danny G. Well, I like that schedule. Two weeks on, two weeks off. That's kind of cool. Uh, my, yeah. my grandfather was actually a firefighter, so I yeah. I would say, yeah. And w- when I was a little kid, the one field trip I remember in uh, elementary school was when they took us to a local firehouse, and that was so cool to me. So cool. def- definitely firefighter. As far as the police thing, though, just to follow up on that, like a lot of police, you're mostly writing a lot of tickets, a lot of, I mean, we, we just, Idea it depends on where you're located, but if you're in like yeah. some small town, you're mostly like a traffic cop. You're writing right, a lot. But what of if you could do homicide? I have watched a lot of First Forty Eight. I think I could solve some of this. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, Coop. What about you, Coop? 
I would definitely go police officer uh, just because you've got that authority. And, yeah. Uh, see Coop with a gun? <laughs> He'd be the uh, the drug patrol. You yeah. See? Yes. <laughs> DEA agent Justin yeah. Cooper. Excuse me. I'm going to have to confiscate yes. that. Yeah. Uh, have a lockup at home. <laughs> is, that a, is that a brownie? What is that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so police one and then what, fire two? Is it? Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, there, and, and then last, paramedic. I right, will have more of Ask Ben. Your questions, our answers. We'll get to that. We'll do it. Next. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weeknights at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. There is a whirlwind of excitement going on around our show Reddit page. Search for our subreddit. Ben Maller Show, and get the latest authentic listener-generated content about the Maller Militia. Now live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios, it's Ben Maller. And right back to Ask Ben. Your questions are answers. Coop, what do we got? Here we go. Let's do this. All right, Ben. Uh, I lost who wrote this question. Oh, here we go. Okay. It's uh, Ariel on Facebook. Last movie that you've seen at a drive-in. Oh, God, I don't even know. I haven't been to a drive-in movie theater since I was, like, a kid. I, I, don't, I couldn't tell you. I don't remember. Eddie, you a drive through movie guy? Uh, uh, in, in high school, yeah, in the small town I grew yeah. up in. We had the, you, yeah. Eddie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at that, Eddie. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Good, yes. good times, Ben. <laughs> All right. Good times. Go. However, the last movie I do remember going to a drive-in theater was the movie Kingpin. With Woody Harrelson, oh, the bowling Bill, movie. yes, yeah, Bill yeah, Murray. Yeah. All right, all right. I, I don't, uh, I don't have any. Uh, Danny, you, uh, yeah. yeah uh, there was, there is still a renovated drive-in theater on the central coast of California, and at the time, took my girlfriend there. It was uh, the Shrek movie. Shrek movie. Shrek. Oh, okay. yeah. Well, classic. It doesn't really matter when you go to the drive-in uh, movie theater. You're not really watching the movie, are you? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, all right, all right. All right. Yeah, all right. Anyway, she all had right. her little sister with her. I'm sure. Car, I'm man. sure she did. Yes. All right. Uh, what do we got, Coop? Anything else here? What do we? Um. Uh, by the way, I've never been to a, a drive-in. I what? Know. I figured, Coop, because yeah. your age. Yeah. 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 But uh, for the crew, if uh, this is from Joseph on Twitter, if you could be any animal for 24 hours, what would it be? Uh, that, I, that's a good question. Uh, I'll go hippo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think hippos are pretty cool. I always love hippos at the zoo. Huh. I always thought, Mom, I want to look at the hippo. Yeah, all right. Eddie? I, you know, I don't know, eagles, so I could fly. I mean, flying oh, would be pretty look awesome. look at that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about you, Danny G? Racehorse. And I would love to be put out to stud just for that one day. <laughs> <laughs> Although that's... Well, yeah, the, the actual stud thing... I know the thing, process. Yeah, not, not good. Uh, it's not, what it's you not very it is, romantic for the horse, <laughs> no. no. All right, Coop, what about you, Coop? I think I would be a, a falcon. But not an Atlanta falcon because they choked away in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Thank you. All right. <laughs> All right. There it is. Uh, ask Ben your questions and our answers, and we thank you. And we'll, if you like that, we'll do it again next week. If you thought that was terrible radio, we only do it once a week. Chill out, man. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official 
Challenge Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts more than a movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 